Well, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day of life. God, we thank you for who you are. Uh, more than we can imagine, uh, more than we can often speak, God. We, we know that you are almighty and the everlasting God, and you're above all, and you've, you're creator of all, Lord. And we just acknowledge you this day as we gather. The reason we come together here, Lord, is because of our faith. And we have this faith because of you, Father God, because you so love the world that you gave your only begotten Son. We thank you, Jesus, for your goodness in our lives and all that you've done and you continue to do. You've begun a good work in each and every one of our hearts here, God, and you'll be faithful to complete that work, Lord. And I just pray, God, that we'll just continue to fix our eyes on you, Jesus, as the author and the finisher of our faith. And that, Lord, we'll just be constantly waiting your return, Lord, and, and living as if we are doing so, Lord, just keeping our eyes on you. We just ask that you bless this time in your word, Lord. Cause us to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you. We thank you for your presence within us and amongst us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we will be taking a look at chapter 14 of the book of Romans. So go ahead and open your Bibles up there. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, and let's go ahead and jump right on into verse 1. Let's read verse 1 here. It says, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. Now, I want to pause right there. I'm sure that you've kind of met people in your life, I know I have, that are just itching to start a dispute. Something about the Bible, about Christianity, about faith, or whatever it is. And they look for that person that they know will disagree with them, and they'll try to get a dispute going. Now, again, I don't know if you've run into that, but maybe it's just because of <laughs> who I am or what I do. I don't know. I run into that a lot, people that want to dispute over this or that in regards to faith or this subject or that subject. And since it is kind of a common occurrence in our lives, I want us to have a good grasp of what the scriptures say in regards to this kind of disputing and how we should be living and how we should deal with it. So I want to go ahead and have you mark this page already here and turn to toward the back of your Bible to find 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. It says, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, I know that for many of us, this is a very familiar and very popular verse of scripture, but rightly dividing the word of truth is the only way that you can become an approved worker for the kingdom of God. Do you want to be used by God? Do you want to know His will? As we talked about in recent weeks, well, 
you must seek to rightly divide His Word. Because in so doing, you will know how to avoid doubtful things, like it says back there in Romans chapter 14. You know how to handle those type of people that want to dispute this or that. You'll be equipped on how to answer and also equipped on knowing when to just walk away. You know, we'll have the wisdom that we need to know how to handle, of course, all situations in life when we have a good grasp on and an understanding of the Word of God. And in order to do that, we must study the Word of God. Okay, verse 16 continues and says, But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort. So it's kind of crazy, two, two guys here, two men, Jaime and Phil, I'll call them here, who went down in the pages of Bible history for the wrong reasons, right? But the key thing for you and me is that we need to stay close to the truth of the Word of God and, and not stray from the truth like these two guys are pointed out here for doing because verse 18 says, they have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past and they overthrow the faith of some. So this is just an example of those type of guys, those type of people that want to cause disputes. They bring division into the body of Christ. But again, if we're astute to the Word of God, if we know the Word of God, we can avoid this kind of things, right? And we can't be fooled because many people today will try to overthrow your faith. Whether they're, they're wittingly doing so or, or, or unwittingly just being led by Satan, there are those that want to bring up a dispute and try to get you on board with them or to get you off track, to get you derailed, right? And they'll keep coming at it time and time again until you do get on board with them or you avoid them and walk away. But again, when you're in the Word of God, you'll have a firm foundation, and verse 19 says, nevertheless, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, that is what the dishonor, right? He will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So again, we see that these two guys that I'm calling Jaime and Phil here, were causing a dispute, saying that the resurrection had already happened. That was their thing. That was their you know, way of trying to overthrow the faith of others. Paul says, don't worry about it. He says, the Lord knows those that are His. Right? You haven't been left behind. This hasn't happened yet. Come on, the Lord knows who are His. Right? But he also goes on to say that in the church there will be dishonorable people that show up 
you know, trying to cause problems. And again, you run into this all the time. And we need to be sure that we can mark these people and, and avoid them, right? But also notice there that one of the ways that you can be sure uh, to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace is by being around others who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So that talks about who you're fellowshipping with, who we're hanging around with, that we do this kind of thing often, right? That you're hanging around people that are pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Otherwise, you'll be influenced in a different direction or you can get off track yourself. You can have your faith overthrown when you start listening to all these doubtful things and disputes. And the world is full of it. It's full of you know, trying to cast doubt on the things of God and the people of faith, right? So, but are we seeking righteousness, faith, love, and peace? If so, well, then we're going to be hanging around others that are doing so. And that keeps us pure and keeps us on track as well. But in verse 23 here, though, it says, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Now, in Romans chapter 14, that's what we brought up there in verse 1, right? The, the disputes and the doubtful disputes, right? So avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. Now, we all know that when that disputing person comes along, um, whether it's over biblical matters or non-biblical matters, right? When that person enters a room that you know is always going to dispute, always going to bring up problems, everybody gets uptight and you feel like you're walking on eggshells and there's strife in the room because this person is here, right? Well, unfortunately today, most of these kind of people end up being our blood relatives <laughs> and it's hard to completely <laughs> avoid them, you know? But this happens. But, but we need to just keep loving people, letting the light of the Lord shine through us, even though we feel uptight on the outside. And, when, and again, when we're equipped with the Word of God, we'll have what we need, the peace in our heart, the joy, the love. We'll have what we need to kind of shun them off or confront them, whatever. Confrontation is not the right word there, but we'll know how to handle it, right? But we need to stay the course knowing that we have a solid foundation in God, right? But again, whether they're blood relatives or not, we need to avoid the disputing. That's the key thing for us is that we avoid the disputing. So go ahead and turn back now to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. I'll read verse 1 again. Receive one another or receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. Now, we do need to be careful to make a distinction here. We want to avoid the disputing, but we want to receive that person that is weak in the faith. Okay? Over time, as they grow in the knowledge of the Scriptures, right, which we should be doing, we should be growing in the knowledge of the Scriptures. We should have that firm foundation. And hopefully over time, as they grow in the knowledge of the Scriptures, they'll have the opportunity uh, to stop being a disputing person, right, as they mature. So we, we, we need to be understanding, too, not just to completely avoid them, but to love them and, and receive them if they're weak in the faith. But Paul's going to continue here 
on this matter of disputing. And, and he brings up an example of what they must have been going through at the time when he wrote this letter. But he says, For one believes that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Right? Now that's always a favorite verse of mine. Right? That's a weak person that eats only vegetables. No, I'm just kidding. Right? But <laughs> keep in mind that the Bible is not saying that a vegetarian, being a vegetarian is wrong. The topic here is disputing over these things. And that's what we're going to talk about here today, right? Disputing over these things. And he says, let not him who eats, in verse 3, right? Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. You see, during this time here, the Jewish uh, dietary laws were, were extremely strict. And with the gospel now having gone out to the Gentiles, these new Gentile converts were probably going out to Sizzler after church, right? Uh, you know, every week, right? They were just eating whatever they wanted. And this was causing big time disputes, you know, about diet, you know, and, and all this, right? They can't be saved if they go to Filiberto's, right? You know, right? So, but who are we, verse 4, who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. You see, there's the key point right there. We know that God, it's God that's working in us, in that born-again Christian person, in that person that's seeking Him and coming to Him. It's, it, he works in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. His Spirit's working within our hearts, you know, in a spiritual way, and of course, and not through food and, and such, not through what we eat and all that, right? But there are people weak in the faith that believe that what they eat and don't eat affects their spirituality. And that's what Paul's addressing here. One person in verse 5, one person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord. He who gives God thanks, for he gives God thanks, excuse me, and he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. That's the key, right? Is that that person's heart is giving thanks to the Lord one way or the other. This is, we're the body of Christ. Let's not dispute over these trivial kind of things, right? And we keep, must keep in mind here what's not being talked about. This is not opening the door here to every religion gets to God. Again, Paul is addressing the body, believers in Jesus Christ, right? He is speaking to those that are in the faith. The Holy Spirit through Paul is instructing, instructing believers then and now on how we should behave, how we should receive one another, okay? If you know someone that's been born again, but they're weak in, in their faith, in regards to one thing or another, receive them. But the ones that cause disputes and they're trying to overthrow someone's faith, avoid them. 
we, people need to be dealt with just like Jaime and Phil, like we saw, right? They need it to be dealt with. What we do or do not do from an eating standpoint has nothing to do with where we are in Christ, right? Salvation is first of all offered by the grace of God. A person re- repents and, and, and receives throughout salvation through faith. But from that point on, each person must continue to seek God and grow stronger and stronger in their faith. Also, while doing so, or part of doing so, we're growing in the knowledge of the Word of God and we're studying it to show ourselves approved, understanding what it truly says and what it truly does not say. Right? And it is the Lord God whom by His Spirit causes a person to grow. And we all must be understanding of that fact. Okay? And everybody grows at different paces, at different rates in the Lord. Okay, For verse 7 goes on to say, For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. So the Word of God here is driving home a point to all of us that read this here. And that is, as long as you do all that you do to the honor of the Lord, then that is all that matters. If what you're focusing on is honoring the Lord with your life, then that's all that matters. If I eat fat, greasy food and I become a fat, greasy dude, or if I eat only vegetables, right, and I look like a piece of asparagus, right, it doesn't matter. (laughs) As long as I'm honoring the Lord with my life. In the end, all that matters is that someone belongs to Christ. And that's got to be our focus as the body of Christ. If we live, our lives are His. If we die, our lives are His. Now, yeah, granted, if I eat fat, greasy food, I may die earlier. But I'm still going to the Lord. We still don't need to dispute over it. We can care for one another. We can say, hey, stop. Hey, dude, stop eating that fat, greasy food you know, or whatever. But we should all be living as servants of God, servants of the Lord, and not disputing, not dividing over trivial things. Verse 9, he says, For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You see, Jesus and Jesus alone is the answer, and Jesus and Jesus alone is the judge. I don't need to waste my time disputing issues with people bent on proving their point. I'd rather spend my time loving Jesus, obeying his word, seeing the the beam in my own eye, before I see the speck in yours, right? And also spending time loving Jesus and spending time around others who do. Jesus is my only judge and I should live in reverence of him knowing that I will stand before him someday and be judged and knowing that you will too. Verse 11, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. 
Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. So when that brother or sister in Christ starts to talk about their trivial pet peeve doctrine, their do's and their don'ts, whatever it it is, right? Like what you should eat or what you shouldn't eat, maybe whatever, right? We must simply understand, if we're mature, we must simply understand, okay, they're weak in the faith and we need to encourage them to rightly divide the word of truth, give them space to do so, right? We're not bound by their weakness, but nor should we cause them to stumble away from the work that God is doing within them. We must let them grow and receive them, right? I know that I can look back on when I was a newborn babe in Christ and realize that back then I didn't know anything about rightly dividing the word of truth. I had to grow wiser in that and grow wiser. In, I had to desire the, desire the sincere milk of the word, right? And 10 years from now, if I'm still on this earth and the Lord tarries, I'll look back on this time, right now, today, and hopefully by that time I've grown more in the Lord than where I am today. Hopefully I'll continue to mature in the Lord. But the bottom line is that I am complete in Christ, and Christ is my judge, and He's your judge, right? And that apart from Him, we can do nothing. And to that person that is weak in the faith and they think that what they eat or don't eat matters concerning spirituality or their salvation, well, I must commit them to Christ and love them as my brother or sister. But again, the, the one that refuses to learn and grow and they stray from the truth of the Word of God and they try to place that yoke of bondage upon me, I avoid them. Because the word of God tells me to do so. In Romans chapter 16, 17, it says, Note those who cause divisions and offenses. What? It says, contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. And avoid them. So there's a doctrine that is a sound doctrine that we must learn. That's why we rightly divide the word of truth. And once we get rooted and grounded in that sound doctrine, then we're able to see the, the false, the imitators, right? Those that are coming along with some doctrine that's not a biblical doctrine, right? And if they're causing division and they're causing offenses, Romans 16, 17 tells us, again, to avoid that person, okay? Now, we can try to love them, receive them, know they're weak in the faith, try and teach them, but if they're just constantly at it, you know, there comes a time when you just walk away from that type of person, now, Paul's going to continue on with this teaching here. And in verse 14, he says, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Remember, he's talking about what they eat and don't eat here still. Now, the first thing that jumps out to me in verse 14 there is that the Lord Jesus will convince us that there is nothing unclean, right? We don't need a man or a woman or any religion to tell us what is clean and what is unclean. No certain church, no certain doctrine needs to tell us this, right? The Spirit of the Lord indwells us. And the Lord Jesus will speak to us in our spirit 
through His Spirit. As we discussed a couple weeks ago, our conscience will then bear witness to what the Spirit of the Lord is telling us. If you remember a few weeks back, we also discussed the fact that that we each have a measure of faith. We all grow in our faith by our life's experiences. And, And God's doing, again, God's doing a work in us. If we're committed to Him, and if our eyes are fixed on Him, He's doing a work within us, right? You may have experienced things in your life that I have not. Therefore, you know, you are to... You're used in the body of Christ in a different way than I am. And we have to receive those that are weak in the faith and be understanding that we all have growing to do because every member of the body of Christ is essential. Every part of the body is essential. And and the end of verse 14 there tells us that if someone thinks that something is unclean, then to them it's unclean. The bottom line is that they know Jesus and are a part of the body of Christ. That's what really matters. And we have to give each other space to grow and love one another and give each other time to do that. But like I pointed out, the way we do that is through the Word of God, through an understanding of it ourselves. Verse 15 says, Yet if your brother, now now notice there that it's the brother, that is a person that's part of a body of Christ. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, You are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken evil of. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So that's what the kingdom of God is all about. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Again, so many people put so much emphasis today on the external. Christianity even, right, has become so much about the buildings we meet in, the groups that we belong to, the music that we worship to, on and on and on, right? What kind of feeling am I getting from it? What kind of vibe am I getting from it? On the outside, what's it doing, right? It's all about the external in many ways, and that's not what the kingdom of God is about. The kingdom of God is about internal things, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 3, to the right of Romans here. Chapter 3, Romans chapter 3. I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 3. And we'll start reading in verse 14. Romans 3, 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might, through His Spirit, where? In the inner man. You see, I believe, at least for me personally, that I've got 
to get focused again and to keep my life focused on the inner man. Who we are not externally, but who we are internally. Right? Who cares about nice buildings to meet in and great music, right? How many people attend the church? I don't, right? I don't really care. What really and truly matters is that we are a people being led by the Holy Spirit. Right? That the inward man, that is, again, who we are internally, is being renewed day by day. That's what should be happening with us. Our inward man being renewed in Christ day by day, growing in the grace and in the knowledge of Him, strengthened by the Holy Spirit. The important thing is here in verse 17 too, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. I, you know, I could spend uh, days talking about that verse, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. That's so much, that's where we need to put our focus. Are we in the faith? Are we in Christ? Are we rooted and grounded in His love, right? Verse 18, may, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height? And that is, see, it's just talking about having this knowledge of God in every way, right? To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Right? Isn't that what we should all be really desiring, to be filled with all the fullness of God? That's what the Holy Spirit will do in us. Where? Again, in our inward man, in our inner man, right? But if we're focused on the external and we get bogged down with the external things of life, we will not see this growth taking place in our lives. We will not see the body of Christ grow if the body of Christ is too focused on external things. Again, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit are not external things. They are internal things. And it's not about eating or drinking or any other external thing. I'm not going to destroy someone's faith by disputing with them over what I eat or what they eat or what they wear or what they don't wear, right? I want each of us to focus on who we are in Christ. And it starts with me. I've got to do that. And as we turn back to Romans chapter 14, Righteousness, peace, and joy are the things we need to be serving the Lord in. Look at verse 18, because it says, verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 18, For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. So, you see, when we live in righteousness, peace, and joy, how can you go wrong? They're the things we have to be serving God in. God accepts us, and people will be blessed to be around us. If I'm living in righteousness, peace, and joy, they're going to be happy that I'm coming around. But if I'm bringing disputes over what they eat, drink, wear, whatever, ah, they're going to want to turn the other way, right? Verse 19, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace, and the things by which one may edify another. So there's, this is to the contrary of that person causing disputes, right? This is the person that will bring peace 
and seeks to edify the other person, right? lift up the other person, build up the other person, do as Jesus did, which is consider others better than ourselves, to put the other person in the first position, right? But what's the natural thing of our carnal flesh and our carnal mind? It's to think of us first and to put us first, right? But with these verses in mind here, um, you know, how we can make peace and edify one another, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Go ahead and mark this page again. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The one book after Romans, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In this chapter, Paul is now addressing the believers in the city of Corinth, the Corinthians, right? Concerning the topic of what they eat and drink. It's, a, it's a, you know, another issue there. This was a big question for the Jews and the Holy Spirit through Paul addressed this topic on a couple of different occasions as we're seeing here this morning. But looking down at verse 23 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Now, there's what we just looked at back in Romans chapter uh, 14 is the topic of edification, edifying someone else, right? As individuals in the body of Christ, we should not be self-seeking, but rather seeking to edify one another. Verse 24, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. You know, we could just take that one verse in the body of Christ and say, let's work on this for the next 30 years and we'll all be okay. Let's just do this. Let no one seek his own will, but each one the other's well-being, right? Or seek his own. Now, if we're honest, right, how much of our hours in a day are spent focused on our own needs compared to how much we're focusing on the needs of others? seeking our own well-being rather than the well-being of others. But one thing we know for sure, that's not the example that the Lord set for us, is it, that we would seek our own. Verse 25 says, Eat what is ever sold in the the meat market, asking no question for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. So here again, it's not about dietary laws. Why? Everything belongs to the Lord. The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. But again, be conscientious of what may offend someone else who is weak in the faith. Okay, Verse 27, if any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go, eat what is ever set before you, asking no question for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. So if I were to paraphrase those two ver- verses, I'd do it like this. Do everything you do for the glory of God. If someone else tells you that they are doing it not for the glory of God, then don't participate in it. You stand for the Lord, you give thanks, and you do all that you do for the glory of God. 
But if they're blatantly doing what they are doing to their God, take a stand and let them know, oh, no, no, it's not about your God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The Lord, He is God. I'll eat to His glory. So I won't be participating in this. Take it outside of the realm of food for a minute. It could be in other activities in life, other things in life, right? And I said, no, I'm not going to participate in that with you because you're not doing this. For the, this is not to the glory of God. It's not even in line with the Word of God. I'm not going to do this. I'll avoid this and I'll go the other way. Right? But if we're going to gather together and we're going to do something and we're going to give glory to God, well, then let's do it. That's why it's so nice when the body of Christ gathers together and does things because we're doing it for the glory of God, right? But he goes on, um, so verse 28, I want to read it again, but if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. Verse 29, conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience, right? Again, he's looking out for, he's telling you to look out for the well-being of the other person. He says, but if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I give thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. So that was Paul's attitude. Hey, what's, what, is, what is best for this person spiritually? Right? That they would be saved. That they would come to salvation. And we should always live in a way that points others to Jesus Christ and allows them to see Him. Those that are weak in the faith should see us and how we live and, and when we're around them, they should desire to grow in the Lord. Those who don't know the Lord should look at us and desire to know Him, right? Food is not the issue. Salvation is. And for the saved person growing in the inward man is the issue turn back to Romans chapter 14 pick it up in verse 20 do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food all things indeed are pure but it is evil for the man who eats with offense it is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. So here again, don't be a disputer over trivial matters, right? You have faith in the Lord? Well, then live it out. Don't impose your dietary laws, your holiday opinions, your worship styles, your church rules on everyone else. Because what really matters is not that which is external. 
but rather that which is internal. And as you grow in Christ internally, it will affect everything about your life that is external. And people around you who see that you live a certain life based, rooted, and grounded in the Word of God, they'll desire that. And they'll want that for themselves. And now we're always, that's what the Lord wants us to do, to love one another, to always look out what's best for the next person, right? But again, it starts with us being rooted and grounded and firm in the faith ourselves and having sound doctrine, which we only find in the pages of the Bible. Let's pray. Lord God, again, we thank you for your word. Your word is living and active. It just does a work within us that nothing else can do, God. And I pray again, God, that, that we will not just be forgetful hearers. We've all seen your word written here today. We've read it. We've heard it. I pray that we won't be forgetful hearers of it, God, but that we will be doers of the work. That we would leave here today and, and decide to to stand for you all the more. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. That we would just continue to stand for you, Lord. And in the areas of our lives, Lord, where we're not standing for you, and in the areas of our lives where we are weak, Lord, I pray that, that we will grow in the grace and the knowledge of you in these areas, Lord. That we would Desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. That we might be a worker approved, Lord, because we study your word. And oh, Lord Jesus, that we would be more like you. That we would live like you, that we would love like you. That we would care like you care, Lord. That we would serve like you serve, Lord. On this earth, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We just acknowledge you in the week to come. Your will be done in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.